0: As a result of our being here together today, of worshiping, of praying together, of encouraging and challenging each other, of looking into your word and being taught together, our desire is that you would be exalted, that you would be glorified, that your name would be increased, that you would have a bigger piece of our hearts and our lives, that you would have a bigger piece of this community, that whatever is happening in our lives, good, bad, or indifferent, that people would hear your name on our lips, that we would be causing people to look to you. We know that's not only your desire, but that's our purpose here on this earth to glorify you. I ask this morning that you would quiet our hearts now. I ask that your Holy Spirit would move freely among us, that he would speak to us, that he would take your word, which is alive, which is powerful, which is able to pierce our souls which is able to separate the good from the bad, the pure from the impure, that he would take that living word and that he would make it exactly what we need. Every person here this morning, regardless of where they are, what they're doing, what they're thinking, you can take your word and make it what each of those people needs. And so that's what we pray this morning. Strip away everything that is not you from what I say in the next few moments so that we might know the truth here today. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks, folks. Have a seat. We continue our journey through the book of John. This morning we're in John 17 again, like Pastor Tim was yesterday, or not yesterday, but last week, rather. Looking at the prayer that Jesus prayed before he went to the cross. And he was talking about the relationship that Jesus, the Son, God the Son, had with his Father. Now, relationships are kind of funny things, aren't they? The closeness and the intimacy level that you have with other people in your life determines how you act, how you respond, how you communicate, right? You know that if you have relationships. Melody and I have this conversation occasionally. And what we've realized, I know we're real sharp. It's taken us 25 years to figure this out. We have realized that the people that you are closest to you get the best of you, <clears throat> but you know there was a but coming, right? But they also get the worst of you, too. They get all of your love and all of your tenderness and all of your generosity and all of your affection. But they also get your crankiness and your rudeness and your impatience. And that's the nature of relationships. Our closeness affects how we react and how we respond to each other. The people that are closest to you see the real you, your personalities, your struggles, your hopes, your dreams, And they love you anyway. But our closeness and our intimacy level with other people in our lives also affects how we ask for things. Have you ever noticed that? It affects how we ask for things. It affects our requests. To an acquaintance, I might say, hey, can you do me a big favor When you go to the post office today, can you drop this letter in for me? But to a friend, I might say, hey, can you do me a big favor? Can I borrow your truck for the day? And to a parent, you might say, hey, can you do me a big favor? Is it okay if my whole family moves in with you for six months? Right? Our intimacy level affects how we ask for things. And the closer the relationship, the more freedom to ask, right? So here we are in John chapter 17, and we have Jesus praying. In this moment, just before he is betrayed, just before he goes to the cross to die, If you've been with us over the last couple of months some, you'll know that I said several weeks ago, everything that we talk about in John 13 and 14 and 15 and 16 and 17 is all happening on this one night. It's all taking place. It's all compacted together into these few hours just before Jesus goes to the cross. So here he is just before he goes to the cross and he is praying to the Father. And they have this perfect relationship like Tim was talking about last week. And Jesus, because of this perfect relationship, because of the closeness and the intimacy that he has with his Father, he can what? He can ask for what? Anything. Jesus can ask His Father for anything because that's the kind of relationship they have. Presumably, He could ask the Father not to die. He could ask the Father to avoid the cross or He could at least ask the Father for there to not be any pain in the experience or He could ask the Father to go immediately to heaven. But in fact, we realize while we're reading these verses that Jesus doesn't ask for himself directly at all. What does Jesus ask for? We see here that his request has to do with us. It's for us. And his request is this. Make your people holy. That's what he asked for. He can ask for anything. Jesus can ask the Father for absolutely anything, and he says, Father, please make your people holy. Now, we're going to walk through a few verses here, and I want us to find two things as we go through, okay? I'm mentioning them to you now so you can kind of be thinking about them. I'm just gonna presume that you guys are gonna go with me on this little journey for the next 20 minutes, okay? And this is what we're looking for. First of all, we're gonna find out what it means to be holy. Okay, Jesus says, Father, make them holy. What does that mean? We're gonna find that in these verses. And then we're also gonna find out why that is so critically important. Why, out of anything that Jesus could ask for, does he ask for this? Look at verse 14 of John 17. We're jumping in where Tim was reading last week. We're jumping right into the middle. In John 17, 14, Jesus praying to his Father, and he says this, I have given them your word. Them is us, okay? His disciples then, and us now, and everybody in between, that has come to Christ I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world Jesus really guarantees that if we do what he asks us to do that we will be hated and nod your head if you see that on the world today that people who follow Christ are hated at the very least looked down upon it's interesting to me that tolerance is the word of the day in our culture you know that right Tolerance. We need to be tolerant of everything. Everybody's thoughts, beliefs, actions, lifestyles, choices, whatever it is, we need to be tolerant of it. That's what we're told. And our world and our culture is tolerant of everything except biblical Christianity. If we say what we believe in, What we believe is right, the way that we choose to live our lives, the way that we choose to raise our families, we are called intolerant. And Jesus says 2,000 years ago, this is the way it's going to work. This is going to happen. And we look at that and we say, wow, that is so unfair. Why doesn't God do something about it? Well, here Jesus is informing us that this is the reality and that we need to trust him. And he's going to explain that a little bit more in these coming verses, so stick with us. But I want you to notice, why does the world hate us? It's right in the verse. Why does the world hate us? Because we aren't like them. We're not of the world. We don't think the way they do. We don't do the things that they do. And the closer that we grow to Christ, the less we're going to look like the world, and the more the world is going to hate us. Now, I'm not saying that we should revel in that and take on this victim mentality or this persecution complex, but it is a reality, okay? And God wants us to know about it, and so Jesus says it for us. Look at verse 15. I do not ask that you take them out of the world but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Now I don't know about you guys but when I'm reading this passage and I want you to understand what I mean in the context of what we're talking about I don't have a problem with the Bible but if I was going to have a problem with a verse in this passage it's this one. Anybody else? Do you see what Jesus says here? I do not ask that you what? Take them out of the world. Does anybody else read that and say, "Why not? Why not? If you are God, if you can do anything, and again, Jesus could ask for anything, why would He not just ask? that God take us out of here. I don't know about you guys, but when I look around at my life, at my family, at my extended family, at the people that I care about who love Jesus, I cannot help but think we could solve a bunch of these problems if we just, you know weren't here, right? If we grow more like you, Jesus, and that's just going to make the world hate us more, then get us out of here. Why not? Well, the answer is that when we grow more like Christ, it's not just going to make the world hate us. It's going to do more than that. You see, there's a plan, there's a reason, and we're going to see it here in just a second. Look at verse 17. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. This is the key verse of the whole passage. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. The word sanctify means to make holy or to purify. But it has another meaning too, and that is to set apart or to separate. Okay, so there's two meanings to purify and make holy, or to set apart and separate. So there's two aspects of sanctification. That's what Jesus is asking for. That's the request. Make your people holy. And sanctification is just a big word that means to be more holy, okay? To progress in your holiness, So there's two aspects of sanctification. Here's the first one, is that God wants to clean up your life. Okay, this is what he wants to do. He wants to make some things right in your life. He wants to clean out the trash. I don't know if, I guess Steve's not here today, is he? I don't know if you guys know Steve Coombs, our... Sometimes drummer and other times firefighter, and that 's why he 's not here a lot. Steve has about thirteen jobs because he doesn 't like to sit still or stand still or do anything else that requires stillness and One of the things that he does occasionally he did it a lot he doesn 't do it quite so much anymore, but he would go into old houses, short sales, abandoned places, places that have been trashed for the bank or the owner, and he would clean them out. He has an old trailer and rubber gloves, and he just goes in there and cleans them out, shovels them out. He's told me about some of them. Some of it probably doesn't even tell Shauna because she wouldn't come within 10 feet of him if she knew what he had to do to clean those places out sometimes. But that's what he does. He just shovels it all out and takes it to the dump so that it can be made livable again. And that's the exact picture of what it means to be sanctified, to be made holy, to be purified. It means cleaning the trash out. Whatever the trash is in your life, it's, it's cleaning it out, getting rid of it. See, sanctification is a process of becoming more like Christ, and I challenge you right now to look at your life. Just take a moment and look at your life in your mind, in your heart. Anything that you see in your life that is not like Christ, he wants it gone. The selfishness, the pride, the lust, the bitterness the anger, the impatience, whatever it is, he wants it gone. And by the way, he will do whatever it takes to accomplish that in his people. Now, I'm not here this morning to give you a whole theology of why difficult things happen to people who love God. But I do know that one of the reasons is he wants to smooth out the rough edges in your life. It's part of the way that he cleans your life up. and makes you more like Jesus. You see, it takes rough things sometimes to make smooth edges. I... Uh, was working on something the other day and I took out my little rechargeable trim saw and I just cut off a piece of pine to do something and this was the piece that was left over. And I was looking at it this morning and it's quite rough actually. You probably can't see it very well but you can see those little edges here. It's kind of rough there where I tried to cut it and those little splinters hanging off it here and there. And so if I'm going to use it, I need to get it smooth. So what I usually do when I go to do this is take this nice shiny piece of tin foil. It's nice and smooth, and I fold it like this, and I use that to smooth off the rough edges. Right? No, that's not going to get anything off there. It's useless because it's too smooth and it's too shiny. No, what I do is take my 100-grit sandpaper, and I... Actually, it's hard to fold because it's so gritty... It's rough, but the interesting thing is that if I take something rough and I scrape it along this edge that is rough, do you know what happens? It smooths it out. Look at that. Look at that, Philip. See how smooth that's getting? (laughs) What is that? all over Phillip's jeans now. That's the stuff that I don't want to be there, right? I've taken this rough sandpaper and scraped it off. And I got to tell you, if that was my skin, that would hurt. It hurts sometimes when we remove rough stuff. I don't know how you ladies do it with all of your pumice and your exfoliating creams and gels and lotions and little, I don't know what they are, sandpaper boards that you use on your toes and your all that stuff. But why do you do it? To get the rough stuff off, to get the rough edges smooth. And that's what God does in our hearts and lives because he wants to clean out the trash. He wants to clean up your life. And so sometimes hard things, bitter things come into our lives and he uses that to scrape it all away and to make us more like Christ. Here's the second aspect of sanctification. God wants to set you apart from the rest of the world. He wants to clean up your life He wants to set you apart from the rest of the world. He he doesn't want you to completely fit in with the world. If we completely fit in with the world, that means that we're no different from the world. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't care for people. We shouldn't try to reach them. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 9, the Apostle Paul has this whole conversation where he says, I'm going to do whatever I can to reach people. Whatever I can do, I'm going to do it to reach people, and we should as well. But we don't reach people by participating in the same sinful practices that they do or self-focused ways of living because when God sanctifies us, when he makes us holy, he says, I want you to be different. And that happens through his word. That's why Tim and I are constantly challenging you to get into the Word because Scripture, listen to me now, Scripture is the only source of truth that can scour our hearts free of Satan's lies and the world's influence. It's so ingrained on our hearts and minds that we need the truth of God's Word to clean it out. By the way, I don't know if you've thought too much about this or not, but every time Satan tempts us, he's lying to us. Every time you're tempted, in any area of your life, Satan is lying to you. He's lying to you about what will make you happy, and he's lying to you about what the consequences or results will be if you do it. Look at verse 18. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Now we're starting to see the plan. We're sent, commissioned, we're given given a defined mission, folks. There's nothing random about you and I being here. God has intended it. He's planned it. He's purposed it. And not only will he not take us out of the world, but he sends us into it. I don't know if you've ever heard anyone talking about first responders. And they say, you know, they're the people that when trouble comes, they run toward it instead of away from it. Have you ever heard anybody say that? Describing police officers and firefighters and EMTs and military personnel. When things start to blow up, they run into it instead of out of it. And that's what Christ is asking us to do. Say, I don't want you to run away from the world because of all the things that are going on. I don't want you to run into it. Verse 19, and for their sake I consecrate myself that they may also be sanctified in truth. Jesus is so invested in this request for sanctification and this mission that he inserts himself into the process. He doesn't have to be sanctified like he has to have the trash cleaned up out of his life because he is already perfectly holy, but he has to be sanctified in the the second way to be set apart. Jesus, already perfectly holy, set himself apart from the cross. I don't know if you thought about this or not, but we could never be made holy without Jesus' death on the cross. He makes it possible for us. And Jesus believes so strongly in this plan, and he believes so strongly in his request to the Father that he's willing to go to whatever means necessary to make it happen. And so he went to the cross. Verse 20 I do not ask for these only, but also for those who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may give, or sorry, that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I've given to them, that they may be one even as we are one, and I in them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. Jesus is praying for you and me here, by the way. That's what I like about this part. He's not just praying for the disciples. He says, I'm praying for those who will believe in me through their word. I don't know how many generations removed that we are from Peter and James and John and Andrew and all those guys. But we are spiritual grandchildren of those guys. Because of their word, because of what they wrote in Scripture, because of the people that they testified the gospel to and led to Christ, eventually we came to Christ and he's praying for us. And he's praying for our unity. And when I first looked at this, I thought that was the second request. The first one is, Father, sanctify them. And the second one is, Father, unify them. But I came to realize that the unity is just the result of the first request. Our progression in holiness and you and me becoming more like Jesus leads to our unity. Think about any relationship that you've ever had, and think about a time when there was some strife and tension in the relationship, okay? Why did that exist? Why was there tension between you and this other person? Why was your relationship not everything that it could be? Why were you not both headed together in the same direction? You know why? Because of sin, right? Happens in our marriages, it happens with our children, it happens with our grandchildren, it happens with our friends, our co workers, our fellow Christ followers. It's sin, our impatience, or our pride, or our selfishness, or our anger. But the Godhead is perfectly holy and therefore perfectly united, and that's what Jesus wants for us that we would grow in holiness. That leads to greater unity. Why is that so important? He says right in the verse, so that the world may believe. This is the plan right here. This is the answer to the question, why doesn't God get us out of here? Remember that? Why doesn't God get us out of here? This is why. Because when you grow more like Christ and I grow more like Christ we become more unified, we become more loving to each other and more caring for each other and we look out for each other better and we work together better and when we work together better, the world comes to see God in us. That's how it works. Our growth in holiness leads to unity which leads to people believing in Jesus why do we have to live here? Why doesn't Jesus take us out of here? Why do we, people who want to do what's right and want to be pure, why do we have to live in this world with all of its evil and its filth and its pain? I can't promise you that I can explain every terrible thing that has happened in your life, every hurtful thing, every painful thing, but I do want you to think about this. Because I think this at least partially answers this question that we all ask at some point or another. You were once a desperate person. You were once a desperate person. And God showed you grace. I'm talking to those of you that are Christ followers here this morning. If you're not a Christ follower, then you're not understanding what I'm saying right at this point. But this is for you as well. You were once a desperate person, and God showed you grace. And now God wants to use his grace in your life, changing you, making you a different person, giving you hope to be an example to all the other desperate people that are still in the world that he can change their life too. Do you get that? Do you see that? That's why God doesn't take us out of here. To bring them into the family. And by the way, we do this best together. Together. Our sanctity, our becoming more holy, leads to unity. But can I tell you something else as well? Our unity also encourages our sanctity. In other words, living this life together, working together, encouraging each other, pulling in the same direction helps us to stay close to God. It's why we encourage you to come to church. It's why we encourage you to be a part of a small group. It's why we encourage you to be part of an LTG. Why? Because we do this best together. It's hard to be out there by yourself and make all the right choices, isn't it? But it's easier when you have someone that you know that is walking with you, that is praying for you, that understands what you're going through, and cares about what happens in your life. It's easier. It's not easy, but it's easier. I've got this little notebook that I use every day when I'm having my devotions, and I write in it notes, questions, things that God is showing me. And in the back, I have this page. I know you can't really see it, but this page is full of people's names. The names of guys that I know, mostly guys, there's a few ladies in there, but mostly guys. Guys that I know that I care about that either say they love God but have wandered away, or who I know don't know Christ. And I'm praying for them. I'm praying for them every day. You know why? Because I know they can't do it out there by themselves, and I'm praying that they'll come back, come back, so that we can do this together. Jesus had a perfect relationship with the Father, and he could have requested anything. But he asked that you would be holy, that your heart and life would be made clean. You'd be made progressively, continually more pure. So my question is this as we close this morning. Is that process going on in your life? If you're a Christ follower, if you say, yeah, I believe in Jesus, yep, I'm part of the family. Are you becoming a bit more like Jesus every day? Are you more loving? Are you more kind? Are you more generous? Are you more patient? Are your thoughts more pure? Are your words more gentle? Are your actions more others focused? This only happens through the Word. Your heart needs to be soaked in God's word every day. We need to be doused in the truth every day because we are getting a fire hose of lies from the world around us. Friends, the way to reach the world is not to be like the world. The way to reach the world is to be different from the world, to show that there's another way to live. to show that there is hope in this broken, sin-saturated world. God's plan is to unite us as we grow, to draw us closer and closer together, to help us walk in unity, to help us walk as one, so that others will see his grace and his love in us. God didn't take us out of the world because he wants desperate people to see formerly desperate people walking in the grace of God. You want to be a part of that? That's why you're here. If you're not a part of that, then you're probably wandering around wondering, why am I here? What am I doing? Making a paycheck, putting it in the bank, and watching it all disappear. Getting up every morning, going to work, coming home, going to bed. Getting up in the morning, going to work, coming home, going to bed. Is that mindless or what? Yeah, it is. But that's not why we're here. We're here to demonstrate the grace of God. And that there is a different way to live our lives. Is that frustrating? Is it difficult? Oh, you better believe it is. If you don't think it is, then you're not really trying to do it. Trust me. But God's plan is that as we grow more like Him, we'll come together stronger and that we will be one and that we will walk together in this mission that He has given us. So here's the thing, guys. We've been asking you to pray about this building. We believe God is leading us in that direction. But we don't want that building so that Tim and I can say, look at what we've got. We don't even want that church to grow so that we can say, hey, we're the pastors of a church of 400, of 500, of 600, 1,000, whatever happens. That's not why we want it. Do you know why we want that building? If God wants us to have it, because we want to take that thing right smack in the middle of this town, And we want to give people a rallying point, a beacon. Some of you have said, hey, you know what? That's kind of a dark neck of the woods there. There's a lot of stuff that goes on that's not too good. And you know what we said? Fantastic. You know where you need light? Dark places. We don't want that building, if God wants us to have it, for any other reason than this. For you and I and other Christ followers in this community to have a place to come together and say to this town, there is hope here. There is grace here for desperate people. We know because we were them and now we're not because of Jesus. Will you stand with us? Hmm? I think we can do it. I don't want to be a church of three or four or five or six or 800 so that we can brag about how big we are. I want to be a church of four or five, six, 800 so we can make a bigger impact in this town. That's what I want. That's what I'm praying for. And that's what God wants, by the way. That's why you're here. And that's why I'm here. And we do it best when we do it together. Father, thank you for your word that sanctifies us. We need it because the more closely we try to work together, the more we irritate each other because we're human and we get angry with each other or we get impatient or we get proud or we get all kinds of other things. We need you to make us holy so that we can come together so that we cannot run away from all the garbage in this world, but we can run toward it and take the light into dark places. Father, do with us what you will. Use the sandpaper to smooth the rough edges. Use a heavier grit on me because I need it more. But make us the people you want us to be so that we can do the things that you're asking us to do. That is our prayer, that we might be a light in this town. In Christ's name. Amen. Have a great week, folks.